Gotta love downtown. The sheriff's race is in full swing here in Anderson County. Downtown is getting better. And the farmer's market is open now on Saturdays. All of this and more, including interviews with some of your favorite people on the May 13th, 2016 edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. And as always, the Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust is made possible by the good folks at Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill and Sullivan's at Brookstone. Anderson's best place to eat. That's Anderson's best spot for lunch and dinner Thursday through Friday and lunch on Wednesdays through Sunday at Sullivan's Brookstone. That's right. You heard it. Sunday lunch at Sullivan's Brookstone. Finally, you can get Sullivan's food on Sunday. And, of course, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill downtown, the mothership that really kicked off the renaissance of downtown Anderson. We sure appreciate Bill Nickus and Sabre for taking a chance on the old Sullivan building and building one of the best restaurants in the country. They're always recognized as one of the top in the country, uh, one of the best two restaurants in the whole state. They've been featured in many culinary magazines and, um, and of course, Southern Living many times. So you just can't beat it. Sullivan's downtown. And we appreciate their longtime sponsorship of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Well, Woolworths is now a pile of bricks. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there were some steps still to one side, but it's just a pile of bricks. So if you haven't looked at it, circle the square and take a look. Uh, you'll see the rubble there. You'll see the stylized Art Deco-looking W's on the side of what is the Bales Building, or which before that was the Atlantic and Pacific Building. That building's going to take a little longer to knock down. Um, they're going to bring in a super crane, and they've begun work on continually clearing it out. They're also going to clear the lot off of all the debris, and they've made good progress on that on the Woolworths lot. And then they're going to start in on the Bales Building. So it's going to be another great show. You can check it out on Facebook. Uh, the Greg Wilson Anderson Observer Facebook page does live updates there or watch the Anderson Observer for more news stories. And speaking of news, Saturday is AU's graduation. They've got 450 graduating, including graduate students. It is a record class for them, and it's right there on the front lawn, which, thank goodness, nobody's ever paved over or put buildings on. One of the best green spaces in town, one of the most beautiful front lawns anywhere around. So AU graduation is Saturday morning, so if you see a lot of traffic and have parking problems going down Boulevard or up Calhoun or around that way, you'll know what it's about. Well, the city of Anderson is threatening to find citizens who leave their big trash cans out on the street too long uh, for pickup, after pickup, actually. And that's a good idea. There's too many folks who seem to leave them out there just for a week. Um, and so the lazy fine would go into effect after a couple of warnings, so it's no big deal. And only, I think the fines were going to be $10 or something to start. And, but uh, speaking of $10, if you're looking for a, a nice pet to bring home, Paul's is offering $10 adoptions through Saturday. For adult dogs and cats, it's a really good deal because it includes everything, spay, neutering, chipping, the whole nine yards. Any dog or cat more than a year old uh, is available, and they've got some really nice pets down there. You can check out their Facebook page or their website to see some of the animals that are there. You know, they just come out of quarantine earlier in the week, so it's good to see them back up and running. We appreciate them taking care to make sure none of the other animals had any problems. And the sheriff's office was reaccredited nationally this week. Uh, that stuff takes a lot of work, a lot of paperwork, a lot of uh, things uh, that have to show how good a job they've done. So congratulations, you're in order. We want to stay accredited, and they do a good job keeping up with that stuff. And meanwhile, the sheriff's race itself is in full swing. Um, in the past two podcasts, I've interviewed Chad McBride and then Jeremy Pickens last week. Uh, Chad McBride was two weeks ago. And this week, I caught up with none other than the final candidate, incumbent Sheriff John Skipper. I am talking to Anderson County Sheriff John Skipper, and we're, we've been talking to all the candidates 
getting ready for the uh, big uh, June 14th primary. And I guess the first question, Sheriff, I want to ask you is just tell so people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about you. Right. I was born in Columbia and uh, went to high school there, you know, went off to college, came back and started with the sheriff's office there in Richland County in 72. was there for 16 years, then came up here in 1989 and was with the sheriff's office here for about 16 years. And that's when uh, Gene Taylor decided not to run. I obviously ran for sheriff then against Sheriff Cooley. I mean, I'm sorry. Sheriff Crenshaw, right, and uh, and lost in that uh, first election, and then four years later, uh, ran again and became sheriff in '09. So I've been sheriff. Uh, this is my second term, uh, seeking my third term. So you've been in law enforcement a long time. I have about 43, 44 years, I guess. How did you decide to get in law enforcement? I uh, I was going to be electrical engineer. My daddy was a, a electrician. He was in the Navy. He was an electrician. Came back and. I worked for a couple of different companies and had his own little little business. And I also became a, uh, a volunteer fireman. Uh, as you know, the, the people in the Navy, they're all firemen. When you're on a boat <laughs> and the <laughs> yeah. boat catches on fire. <laughs> you better be a fireman. Everybody's taught to fight fire. <laughs> so uh, so that kind of got, you know, got his, uh, his interest in firefighting, I guess. So he uh, was a volunteer fireman, ended up being a, a fire chief of North Turner Volunteer Fire Department. So I came up in that... So I came up in that, uh, sorry about that. All right. Uh, he, uh, you know, he came up in that fire service along with my dad. So I, I was interested in that, but I was going to be an electrical engineer. And in that last year, getting ready to go to college, there was a guy in the fire department that uh, talked about uh, a, uh, a fire and safety engineering degree that just uh, became available in North Carolina. It was the Oklahoma State had a four-year degree, and these uh, folks in North Carolina condensed the four-year degree down into two and a half years. We had no less than like 25 credit hours a semester for two and a half years. Holy cow! And uh, so, uh, and and being in the fire service, I was also uh, you know exposed to some law enforcement entities. So I ended up going up there, and when I got out, uh, I was you know my degree. Uh, allowed me to design sprinkler systems, building inspections, uh, firefighting, uh, filling fire extinguishers. Uh, I mean, it was a, a vast array of uh, the fire service from putting out fires to designing buildings to be fireproof. Uh, but still interested in the, uh, uh, the law enforcement side, I thought I'd like to do arson investigations. So I started putting out applications to fire marshal's offices and those kind of things, and it was interesting. Because all of them would say, uh, well, how much uh, fire experience you got? And I said, well, I got a degree, look, <laughs> you know. And they said, well, that's good. That'll help. Uh, it says, how much law enforcement experience do you have? And I said, uh, I have none. But I'm not even 21 yet. <laughs> I said, I can't be a police officer until you're 21. They said, well, when you get some law enforcement experience, come back. So with that, I came back to Columbia, obviously, and uh, talked to the sheriff's office there, Richland County, and started. So I was in the uniform patrol for about 13 months and was promoted to investigations. I was asked if I'd be interested, and I said if I could do arson investigations, yes. So uh, that was how I ended up uh, in the investigations and doing arson. And in those days, uh, I mean, you did arson, but you did everything else too. So, Well, you've been doing this a long time. I have. What made you decide to run for another term? Well, I, you know, I, I like what I do. I was talking to a group last night and talking about, you know, I can talk about what we do in law enforcement for hours. 
because I, I understand that most people in our community don't know what, law, what their local law enforcement does. They see the, you know, they see the uniform patrol guy when they call and they may come out and take a report or, or sometimes they see the police officer that stops them for speeding and that's their exposure. So they don't really know the vast array of what we do in law enforcement, what goes into the back of it, the investigations, the narcotics, the, the civil process. That was civil process section that serves pa civil papers for uh, delinquent debts and suits and, uh, you know, ordering people to come to court for those civil issues. Uh, and then the other part of it is the budgeting and, and trying to make manage it so that everything comes out. Uh, you stay within the budget, but trying to do better each year with what you have. And so, uh, I, I, you know, I still I have a passion for the job. I have a passion for the community and the people in, in the community and trying to do the best we can for them. Well, yeah, the passion sort of came out when fighting for the raises this past year when we were all trying to do that. The You mentioned several things there I want to follow up on. One, what do you think the greatest challenges are for the Sheriff's Department in the next, you know, four years? Yeah, it's. I think it's the same challenge we've always had, or part of it is, is that continuing to try to get our council to understand that in our services to the community, and, that, and that's all said, that those things that a government needs to provide for the citizens, those things they can't provide for themselves. And so obviously law enforcement is one of those things. Try to get them into a mode where they need to understand that our budget and our staffing needs to increase with the calls for service for the county. It's not a matter of Here's what you got. Work with it until it all falls apart. Because well, the population's one, exploded since you've been in the office. The population has exploded. So if you budget something and you say work with what you got, and that's basically what we've been doing. There's been, there's been no significant staffing increase uh, since before uh, uh, Sheriff Cooley. Uh, so the number of deputies really is not significantly it, higher it is, than it, that was a it, long it, time it ago. It is not. And and to have a thirty years ago, you're talking probably. Well, well, no, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I should have said Sheriff Crenshaw. Oh, okay. I say okay. Cooley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheriff, Sheriff uh, Crenshaw. When he came in, he added some staffing, but that was uh, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, you know eight years ago now, mm -hmm. and and even before, and, and the four years before that. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is, is that uh, even in his situation, if you remember, you know, when he added that staffing, it made him go over budget, so we had to cut some of it out. So we had to cut back. But we have a large county. People forget that. We, we have a very large county. But what the county needs to understand, and all government, I think all local government needs to understand, they need to have a plan in place to increase their staffing over a, each year or each every other year to keep up with the population growth, which is, in a sense, the cause of service growth. Uh, I don't judge too much of, of, of services on population because you can have a large population and have a, a small amount of calls or you can have a small population and have a large amount. It depends on what your population is, what your what your uh, demographics are. So with that said, as we calculate every year how many calls for service comes in for law enforcement, you say you've got X number of people that give this type of response. Are we satisfying what the citizens and the county council want to have as a response? If the answer to that is yes, then we continue with that staffing. But you can't wait 15 years later and say, oh, my God, look, it's, it's really gotten bad, so let's add a bunch of people. So it needs to be incremental so that each year, since 2012, our calls for service just for the sheriff's office has risen about 
10,000 or, or it went from 92,000 calls for service in one year to 97,000 calls for next year, and next year is up to 100,000 calls for service. Well, if you don't increase your staffing to, to take care of that service, then you're going to get behind. You're, you're not going to respond quickly. How many deputies do you have? Uh, it, it's a moving number, obviously, but well, the, right, I mean, the SWAT right now, you know, uh, the uh, uh, sworn deputies is about 225. Uh, I have some class three officers that we made through our emergency services side to help with drownings at the lakes and those kind of things. So we don't have to pull people from the uniform patrol. Right. Uh, While we're talking about that, we'll get, we'll get back to the deputies mm -hmm. in a minute. I, I wanted to mention that because I have, I think that's another part that most people don't understand what emergency services and, and, and how not only it's one of our shining stars. I mean, people around the country come here to see what our emergency services are they doing. Certainly do. And then I had people tell me, well, we've got a bigger staff than other, but other counties, even like Greenville, they just sit around and wait for something to happen. Right. Our folks are actually putting policies in place. And some of that is mandated by Homeland Security and some other things that we can't, you know, just, and some of the, some of the other uh, candidates are saying, you know, oh, we take all that and put it, you can't do that because that money belongs somewhere else. Yeah, our yeah. Mercy services you can't do has, away with it. Our Mercy Services has been a pretty significant, uh, the recent floods were a good example of that. Exactly. People, they're still sending us nice letters. And, yep. But the number of deputies that, uh, um, I wanted to get that in there because I do think mm -hmm. that's a misunderstanding, again, of, of how broad and exactly. your coverage is. A good example, when the hospital had where it was out of water, if we hadn't had a plan in place, they would have had to move those patients. Exactly, and, that, and, that's what we, and that's what that division does. It plans for those things when they happen so that we can just go to the plan and, and, and have it taken care of. Well, how many deputies do you need on the roads compared to what you've got? I mean, how short, how short are you? Well, you know, this time there's 16 slots on each shift. We're just talking about the Uniform Patrol Division. Right. There's 16 slots. Well, obviously, if you have someone leave, or there's someone out sick or somebody, you know, at school, then that, that's a moving number at any given time. Mm -hmm. And the and the shift lieutenants manage that schedule and so they make sure they have enough to try to answer the calls. So it could it could range from fourteen, fifteen at any given time to sometime even a little less than that. We do supplement that with some other divisions if it gets a little low. Uh, I have asked in the budget each year for six additional deputies per shift to make it twenty four. I think with that number, if there was 24 on each shift right now, with the somebody out sick, whatever, you'd have about 20 on the, sh on the road at a given time. And then we can supplement with our catch team. Uh, we do supplement sometime with the warrant division because if, if they're out there doing the day, they're on the road, they're on the road, they're on the radio, they hear the calls. And if they're close, they'll answer the call, help back up with those kind of things. And that's to cover 780 square miles. Right? 700, so I, or 800, I, somewhere. Yeah, there. yeah. I always, I use 749. Somebody yeah. else uses 777. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's somewhere around 700. It's close to 800. You know, you 50 do. It's, square it's, it's, miles. It's a very big. It is. That's a lot of people to cover. Now, mm -hmm. wh where do most of the, is there one area? Uh, I'll just jump to this and we'll come back to that. One of the things a lot of people talk about is Homeland Park. Mm -hmm. that there's an inordinate amount of crime either headquartered there or mm -hmm. happening there. And I, I'm working on a story for the Observer now. I rode down through there the other day, and it's all the ha meth houses and stuff down through there. I mean, it's yeah, just... Yeah, and, and as you know, the county is starting to... And, and I'm finally glad to see this. Uh, you know, some people down there told me the other day, so we're glad to see y'all down. I said, we've been there. We, right. we, the law enforcement, have been there. We've been asking for houses to be tore down. Right. We've been asking for some places to be cleaned up so we don't have people hanging out there. And I think now the whole county as a whole... Uh, from the council down through building and codes is, is looking at that initiative to, to get that taken care of. 
destroying houses and taking people's property is a, is a, a convoluted and complicated process. Right. With that said, it should be. Right. You know, we, we, okay. should, we and the government shouldn't be able to go down and say, oh, look, they got three broken windows, so we're going to take the house from them. Right. You know, you shouldn't be able to do that. But the process now is, is that you have to find the homeowner. Well, in cases like Homeland Park and other areas in our whole state, those folks don't live here anymore. They're in California. They've moved away. So now you've got to serve papers on them. I mean, that was a long process to do all that, to get it condemned, get it whatever it needs to be done. So I think the council is looking at redoing some ordinances so that we can uh, uh, enforce that a little better. The other thing is... They've got the cost down on it, too, I understand, a little yes. bit better if it's not a federal thing. But, you know, Anderson, you can't say this, but I can, but we, we've got a long, ugly history of slumlords around here. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, running... that should be held accountable for what's going on on their properties. And I think, like what you were just talking about, I think they've just identified another 50-some-odd houses down in the Homeland Park in addition to the list that was already there. Right. And I just encourage people who haven't driven through there, go in the daytime. <laughs> yeah. But you can see where... Meth explosions have happened, and mm -hmm. people have just thrown sheet metal up over their doors. Well, uh, you, we were uh, one of my uh, uh, investigators was giving a, a talk to a group the other day and talked about the, the, the broken window pane yeah. theory. Is is when the window pane is broke, if you don't fix it, then people take over the house. They in there. They wintertime comes. They light a fire. House burns down. Now you got a half a house sitting there, and the grass grows up. And I think our, our county ordinances need to be a little stronger, and, and they're looking at that now so that we can hold these people accountable for cleaning these up. And instead of giving them a bunch of warnings and a bunch of warnings, they get a warning to do it, and then there will be some fines and fees to make sure these people that own the property keep it up. I guess that's what's leading me into that. Are there certain parts of the county that there are a whole lot more calls for crime than others? Or is it well, I think every county has their, yeah, their, their right. places. Uh, Homeland Park is one of our higher, higher calls for service. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, are... And I, I want to say this. There are a lot of really good old folks who've lived in yes. there forever when yes. it was a great neighborhood, and those mm -hmm. are the ones who are calling y'all trying to get you down there. And, exactly. They, they exactly. can't move, and they live there, and that's their home. <laughs> and, 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 th and, and this is not talking bad about any particular no, it's people. It's when you have a part of your community that, like you said, becomes majority of rental property, and there are and people move in and they're renting and they don't take pride in the home that they're in right. and that community starts to go down and that and that and that happens all over our country uh you know the, the, i tell this story all the time i use homeland park as an example and homeland park was a thriving community when it was built because we had the mills right. all people were hard-working people and then the, the mills closed down some of those start, the children grow up, and the children move off someplace else, get jobs, and then the parents are stuck there. And now, when the parents, some of the parents started uh, dying off, then they become rental property. And when the majority of it becomes more rental property than homeowners, and, that's, and that happens all across this country, in every county, in those kind of communities. And so what happens then is you get the broken window pane theory is where the houses start to be in uh, dilapidated, not taken care of, and that allows the uh, criminal element and the drug folks to move in. Kind of like the alphabet streets in the city, mm -hmm. it's a similar uh, thing. Um, the, uh, yeah, it, but, and, and those, the growth of crime, though, tends to be concentrated, so that's a challenge for you guys to, because if you do have to put, you know, six of whoever's on the road down there, then you've got an even bigger county to cover with another seven people, right? Right, people. And, we, and we use, a, you know, our catch team uh, spends a good bit of their time there. We move them to other places when we need to, but they spend a good bit of time there to supplement uniform patrols so they don't have to take care of those. 
How important is it going to be in this election, particularly because now there's a solicitor rates going on? Because the relationship y'all have to solicitor is pretty important in terms of getting. It's very important. That's been a frustrating thing for you, I think, because we talked about it on radio a couple of years ago. That you can't get cases to mm-hmm. trial, and then you can't get them to to move ahead. Uh, I talked to somebody at the city, and they said the city magistrates are much tougher and quicker to get things, and they don't pile charges together and everything else they 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 nail people and that that you know right you know i i tell people this all the time part of our society and the problem has happened with it over the years there's no consequences for your actions you know if, if you get if you get arrested you get out on bond you go out and break the law again you get arrested you get out on bond and you get arrested again you get out on bond and you get arrested again then when it gets to the court system it sits there for months or years and then when it finally gets to before a judge or before a court they become a plea bargain or something. You plead out. The, the, the charges are reduced. You plead to a minor charge. You get probation, and you go home, and you break in again. So, that, I mean, why stop breaking the law if nothing's going to be done to you to punish you for it? Thank you, Tommy. One time there are people awaiting multiple first offense kind of burglary things, and all they've never gone to trial on any of them. So exactly. They exactly. show up. At some point in time, they're going to roll those all up in one, dismiss a couple, uh, plea, uh, reduce the burglary first down to second or thirds, which is which is a, a, a probation type sentence probably, and they get to go home on probation. Have you talked to any of the solicitor candidates that are? Uh, I've heard them speak. Uh, I'm encouraged that, I, that each one of them are saying they're going to be more aggressive and they're going to be uh, targeting our career criminals. Well, I know we've had somebody in poor health, and I don't know if that's the biggest part of it, but that's right. certainly you know. So that, I just wanted to ask you because you mentioned the 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 none of the cooperation between counsel, which. You know, I've heard you try to explain the budget to council many times, but working with a solicitor, people don't realize that you guys can get out and, and make a good case, but if they don't, if they're too busy or whatever they want to say or you don't follow through, it didn't do you any good. You know, in any given in any given three months, my investigative division signed 600 some odd warrants. So we're arresting, we're, you know, we're, we're solving crimes, we're arresting people, we're putting them in jail. And, and, and a lot of people don't, I mean, I like to explain this sometimes to groups is, is you know, there are three branches of what we do. Our, our whole government is, is almost designed on three branches, you know. You got the, th- you know, in Washington, you got three branches of government. And each one's supposed to do their part. Right. Everybody, you, don't, you shouldn't have one doing everything. That becomes a dictatorship. So our job is to investigate crimes, gather evidence, and present it to the court. It's up to somebody else to present that, try to get the conviction with our help, obviously, on what we can win. And we can only present what we have. And then it's up to the rest of the judiciary to sentence them and put them away. It's not for me to find them guilty. Right. It's for me to present evidence to show guilt or show innocence. It, it's whatever the evidence is. When you're out talking to people in, during this race, what are, what are some of the things people are telling you they're, they're hoping for as we move ahead? Uh, I think, you know, stiffer sentences on, on the things we've just been talking about. Uh, they're tired of burglary. Them. People are really, that's the one a lot of people I hear talking. I mean, cause a lot of the other crimes you hear talking about are people who are related or they, they're mm-hmm. drunk or high and they yeah. shoot each other in a trailer too. Yeah, Nobody's real assault, surprised about that. Yeah, kind of assault, assaults are, uh, you know, assaults are usually, uh, uh, acquaintance, at least acquaintances on each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are some stranger, uh, assaults at, at bars and, and, and public, uh, entities. 
Uh, I do know you're working with with um, with Tom Allen, County Councilman, and Ann Thayer on the domestic right, violence. Domestic violence. So you know we we've started an initiative, and there's one across the state. You know the governor. But y'all are trying to be ahead of the state. Though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and we're doing most of the things that are on the guidelines that the task force, the governor's task force, came up with. Uh, but it, uh, part of that is is to get all the agencies in the state kind of on the same page, doing the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, <clears throat> we do have people move from county to county, so if they have a, a domestic violence in our county, they end up going someplace else. And if they have one over there, we want to make sure they're collecting the same kind of evidence that we did so they can be convicted over there too. So so we are working on that as a state and as a sheriff's association to be uh, consistent across the state and to and to try to curtail it because we are, as they say, the, you know, one of the number one states every year in the in the nation for domestic violence. And y'all's task force though, is really trying to be a little ahead of the state on something. Yes. Get it in place before and uh, how much? I mean, how much of that do you see here in domestic violence? I mean, how many calls do y'all get? I mean, oh, we get quite a bit. I don't. I don't know the number. Yeah, I don't know the number off the top. But it's of my significant. Head, but it is. It is. And that's it the is. most. They say that's the most dangerous call law enforcement. Can, well, uh, you one know, of the most yeah. I mean, you know, in the law enforcement, there's a lot of times when 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 whoever the the battered party is, it could be a man or a woman. You know, they call us because they want us to come there, and they think we're going to come to referee. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the the statute actually tells us we we're mandated to arrest somebody if we see uh, a manifestation of injury. So under the old law, it used to be, well, if the woman said, well, I don't want to prosecute, you know, we couldn't arrest. So now we arrest. Now when the, the person calling realizes we're going to arrest them, sometimes they'll turn on us too. So we don't have to fight both of them, and, right. you know, which, which is actually the victim too. So it, it's a tricky situation when you walk into domestic. Well, um I was going to finish by asking you, in the time you've been sheriff here, and of course you were here before that, before you were sheriff, but what, what are your proudest accomplishments during your time here? Yeah, you know, I, I think we've, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, one of, one of the things I ran on when I first ran was this uh, dividing the county into four regions and putting a command staff person over that region. We just uh, received our uh, gold standard accreditation. We're going to be awarded that, I think, guys coming next week to give us that official award. Uh, it was mentioned in that national accreditation, that type of uh, concept, and that that is something that's going around the country and it works well and that we are, are, are at the forefront of doing that. And that, what that means is, is I put somebody, I used to go out to all the community meetings and they, I'd hear the complaints, you know, so-and-so's not, so-and-so's not calling me, I got a case, nothing's happening on all this, and I'd come back and tell those divisions, you know, uh, uh, here was the complaints. And then I'd go back next week or the next month, and I'd ask how that come out. Well, I still hadn't heard from anybody. So by putting that command staff person over each region, that puts that citizen in touch with a captain that can make a decision that day. And so they take care of the problem solving for that region, making sure things are happening in their area. Uh, you know, uh, a couple of the uh, uh, my opponents are talking about dividing the county, going back to school district patrolling and all this. Uh, I tell people this all the time. It's 749 square miles. It's 192,000 people, and it's 100,000 calls of service every year. You can divide it in twos, fours, tens, or twenties. It's still 100,000 calls a, a, a year. And I have a chart that, that shows you that if you do it by school district, school district one has about 9,000 calls in, in the period that I, that I, uh, I think it was October, through, uh, about a six-month period. About 9,000 calls of service. In school district two, it was about 2,500. 
In School District 3, there was 2,900. School District 4, it was a little more. In School District 7, it was 17,000. So if you take all your patrolling and put it where the calls are, you're going to fall on yeah. back in the five. Right. By dividing the region, the four regions, each region comes out. One is like 8,000, those uh, 7,000, 7,000, 10,000. So it, it, divide, it evens out the calls for service. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't, you know, go across lines. I mean, if, if the call, the, the officer responds, the nearest call, the nearest officer to the call goes to the call, it doesn't matter which region it's in. So I think with that, uh, increasingly our community watch, uh, you know, getting the community involved, we're approaching 90 some odd uh, community groups. Uh, all of them don't meet every month. Uh, some of them have met every month and then they went to doing a six months or a three months and all this, but they do still stay connected through their internet and, and through emails. And we pass out uh, crime stats to them every month. We pass out crime information. We get a lot of calls on them. Says, hey, we saw where y'all were looking for a blue pickup truck. I saw one in my neighborhood the other day, that kind of thing. So given the community, I think that, that's a big accomplishment. You know, with that, just, uh, you know, uh, doing what we do to try to uh, uh, do the best we can for our citizens every every day. Uh, we do evaluate what we do. Uh, there was a there was a crime thing that came out and, you know, and everybody's uh, asking me about it. So, you know, we were 13th in, uh, in the nation for crime. And uh, but you need to go look at that report. There's a caveat there that says caution. Using this data might not be correct, so don't come to any, you know, big conclusions. And it has, a, and the FBI even tells you that on their website. Uh, on my Facebook, I have a little explanation on there if you want to go look at that. What happens is, is when people, I, I've always taken the position because coming up through my uh, crime analysis background, if you skew what the crime is, then you don't really know what's going on in your community. And here's what I mean by that. There, there are burglary, first degree, second degree, third degree. So when you go out to take a crime, a, a report, if somebody broke into your residence in the nighttime or with aggravating service, that's burglary first degree. So you write it up as a burglary first degree. And burglary second degree is a business, a residential, a, 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 a business establishment. And a burglary third degree is an outbuilding. So if I come to your house, Greg, and you got an outbuilding, and I walk back there and say, yeah, my house, you know, my house was broke here and they stole my lawnmower. Well, I need to write that as a burglary third degree because that's what it is. So I can track that and see how many we're having in any given area. Other agencies will look at that and say, well, that looks like a malicious mischief to me. So that means that's one less burglary that reports to the FBI. It's a malicious mischief. So they'll write, the, and some agencies don't write them at all. They don't even take a report. They put a note. They so it's how them. you report. It's how you report. And the FBI will tell you that, that all agencies don't report. In South Carolina, we have 46 counties. Only 33 of them report crime. So if you look at any county, much less Anderson County, to say, you know, that you, this is your ranking in the state. Well, there's, there, there's, there's eight of them that aren't reporting. So how do you know how you rank with them? Right. So the numbers are skewed. The, the other number, thing that skews the numbers, we talked about this one time on another occasion. Didn't you tell me they're a fairly small percentage of people committing an awful lot of the crime in Anderson County? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we say we chase about 10% of the same people all the time. And, and that goes back to that uh, career criminal that, that got us out there all the time, all the time that we need to get put away. Uh, the numbers on our burger right now is, I think, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, this is, this is 
the numbers aren't out in the FBI for 2015, 14, 13, okay, 13, we were pushing about 2,000 burglaries in that year. That's when the economy was kind of, you know, had peaked out. As our recovery has come, we analyze what we do. So we did some tweaking on how we use our catch team. The next year we were down to 1,900 uh, or just under 1,900, which is the 2014, which is that survey stops at that year because they, they're always two years behind. Well, because of other things we did and how we were patrolling and using the catch team, the burglary numbers for 2015 were down to 1,500. So it's almost, you know, we are addressing the issue and have reduced the number of, of calls and those things uh, over the years, and we're hoping this year will be even less. The, the one question I did forget to ask you a little mm -hmm. earlier, if, what percentage of crime is drug and alcohol related? I mean, if you had to put a number I, I, th I think we use the number, most sheriffs will use the number 70 to 80% of crime is substance abuse. Right. Now, and when we say crime, we're talking about all of it. Sure. You know, some burglaries are, are, are people just wanting money. Some burglaries are people wanting quick cash so they go buy the drugs. So that's what uh, And then you got the alcohol, even alcohol issue and, and pill issue for the domestic violence and, and those kind of things. So I, I, I think a, a 60, 70% of our crime, maybe even sometimes 80% in any given year, have some substance related uh, uh, abuse. Yeah, and I've read that the highest growth number is the doctor prescribed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's no, legal, legal yeah, prescription the, the, abuse. The, the, the number one illegal drug now is prescription drugs. Right. So people are, 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 are taking their, their grandparents' drugs. Uh, uh, I caution, I caution uh, the, uh, the uh, older generation now when, when their grandchildren bring their friends over. And they say, oh, can I go use your bathroom and all, you know, and, and they'll go out. They, they're going through the medicine cabinet. What they're doing is taking their pills. That's sad. Well, you've got a lot of debates coming up. Mm -hmm. I just saw they scheduled another one on the 2nd of June. Y'all got two on one day? Yeah, we did. That was one for Tri-County. Tri-County sent me one early on, said, well, would you do one? I said, yeah, I'll be willing to do one. Well, we'll look at a date and all this. And, and all of a sudden it popped up and said, how about June? And I'm like, or June the 2nd. I'm like, that sounds familiar. So you all got breakfast and so, another one, two yeah, the same day. Yeah. But uh, well, I know it's it, it's a challenge to, to do your job and to run for sheriff. Well, that is that is a little challenging when, the, you know, that's the thing about being in the position, you know, you still have to keep up with the day-to-day -day stuff that's going on. People want me to address issues, and I'm try, I do that. And mm -hmm. then, you know, so that, that limits me to being able to get out in some neighborhoods. And I've tried, I've already walked a couple of neighborhoods trying to talk to people, and I, I'm hoping to do a few more. Well, good. Well, man, I appreciate you taking time to talk. And all right. Good luck, Sheriff. All right. Thank you. Thanks. I think all the candidates for sheriff and other races as well have dis discovered uh, how difficult it is to keep working your job and run for office. So we appreciate people who put themselves out there for public service, all the candidates for sheriff and the other offices. And it is going to be a big year in the county for races, not only with the sheriff's office, up, uh, but solicitor's race, which is going on. We hope to have the candidates for that on here in the next couple of weeks. Um, that will both of those will impact law enforcement greatly because there's been a lot of discussion about law about the solicitor's office and law enforcement and cooperation and or the lack thereof. Plus, there's going to be a few challenges and a few of the county council seats. Um, if you're going to uh, register to vote, you've got to get it done by the time you hear this podcast or by the end of the day. Uh, you want to get registered for the June 14th primary, or it'll be too late. Um, stay stay informed. Um, the plan is for us to have as many of the candidates interviewed live here on the podcast as possible. And the others will be interviewed in the Anderson Observer, so you can make a decision who you think would be the best candidate for those races here in the county. 
Speaking of the county, the county budget is being hammered out, and a lot of things are on the table. The Finance Committee has met and is working on second draft of the budget. They'll be uh, voting on second reading uh, Tuesday night at the Anderson County Council meeting. So we want to come out 630 to the historic courthouse downtown. We haven't been to a council meeting in a long time. Uh, Anderson County Council Chairman Tommy Dunn has done a good job of keeping those those things on track and moving. So we're never there really late like we were at one time. So usually get in and out pretty quick. It's pretty busy. Um, agenda this month, I mean, this yeah, this this week's uh, meeting, you can look online at the Anderson County website and search for council agendas and see what all is on the agenda. There will also be a link to it in the Anderson Observer this afternoon. You can take a look at that. There are a lot of other issues on the on the budget. Um, roads, of course, is the top of the discussion list for everybody. We've said this many times. The county needs $7 million a year to repair and maintain local roads. And right now, there's only a little bit of leftover fund money of around a $1 million available for fiscal year 2016-17. That means they've got to find money to do some of this. If you've driven around the county, you, you, you can just start naming roads you know that need work. And they've done as much as they can this past year, had the best uh, funding they've had in a while, but it was still nowhere near $7 million. And you can see that that uh, takes about um, you know a million dollars to pave what is it five miles of road or something? It's crazy the kind of money it's going to need to start paving. They get to pave, repair, a lot of things to do. And I think it's time to pass a car tax to help us repair those county roads. It was discussed last year and died in, late in the budget process. But ten dollars a car would be a really good step. Hundred percent of it goes to uh, road funding, repair, funding and repair, and uh, paving around the county roads. Ten dollars a month is an amount anybody can afford. Uh, it, it comes out to what about, uh, uh, you know, $10 a year. I'm sorry, not $10 a month, $10 a year comes out to about 80 cents a month. So seriously, who, who can't afford 80 cents a month to make our roads safer, keep from knocking your car out of line and some of the other problems that we're having here in paving, uh, that road tax will not provide all the money needed, but it would really be a big help. So I'm hoping that survives the budget uh, process. You can, um, Talk to your, your council person if you think that's a good idea, too. Another idea that's being floating around is countywide hospitality tax. This, again, is also long overdue. Almost all of the towns and cities have a 2% tax already. Anderson, Belton, Honeypath, Iva, Pendleton, Williamson. Uh, the countywide, it would generate more than at least $2.5 is one of the estimates. And, and most of these are like, you think about all the restaurants out on 85, Cracker Barrel, Outback, uh, Wings, those places out there. Um, People who eat there, most of them aren't even from Anderson. There are people traveling through, people coming over from Georgia. They'll be paying that into, into taxes into our county for our county needs. So I really hope they'll consider that. Um, council challenges are many this year. Uh, it's, we've got a growing population here in Anderson County that's creeping up on 200,000, and that means growing services are going to be needed, and those services have got to be funded somehow. The county council's done a good job of keeping taxes down during a time of austerity, which started in 2008, but we've kind of moved out of that. And we've grown and we've brought in new jobs, and it's time to consider some modest increases to meet the demands of a progressive county and its citizens. I think the car tax, which, again, 80 cents a month, anybody can afford that, and the hospitality tax are really good first steps in the right direction. And speaking of first steps, we are more than a month past the downtown block party schedule. Weather and crowds have been great, except last night when the big storm group blew in right at 630. I always hate that. I know it's a difficult thing to have outdoor events and a continuum and the challenges that go with that. And that's why we always appreciate Mr. Downtown himself, Jake Harry Jones. And I talked to him this week about the great program that Main Street brings into the downtown block party and several, several other issues and things about downtown. Kerry uh, Jones, it is uh, Mother's Day's past, which means Father's Day is not too far away. And we got a big event every year that's the Saturday before Father's Day 
car show that's coming up. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's the Piedmont Natural Gas Day Before Father's Day car show, and uh, we do that on Saturday, the day before Father's Day, and uh, and and Anderson's kind of unique. Uh, we got a lot of people that actually celebrate families that celebrate Father's Day on Saturday at the car show, and they don't even celebrate it on Sunday. Uh, I know, find that hard to believe, but that is the case in Anderson. And uh, my dad, my sister, and I actually have been doing it for quite some time. Uh, usually get the show set up, and then I go pick my dad up, and uh, we ride around and check things out. He can't see very well now, but I described to him about the cars and that kind of thing. But anyway, it's turning to be quite the Father's Day event. And there aren't a lot of events that go on that Saturday before Father's Day. So uh, we end up having people coming in from all over the place. It's really growing too, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, last year it grew too much. it, it got out of hand last year. We had way more cars than we had places for them to park. And uh, uh, it, was, it was pretty much an ordeal last year. And I was, I was extremely glad when that, that one was over. So I'm going to try to be a little more organized this year than I was last year. Uh, it, uh, it was something else. Beautiful day and just had a ton of cars that came in. Have a little bit of a challenge this year in that they're tearing down the Bells building, so I don't know exactly where we're going to be on that. That's my, uh, the parking uh, area beside the Bells building was my runover parking lot, which I filled up last year. And uh, and some of the primo parking is right there where the Bells building was because you had that shade and the awnings and all that. So we're going to have a few people that are going to be a little bit ticked off. I'm sure this year, but it's always a great show. It's a fun show. We uh, we don't give away any trophies. Uh, basically, what we give away is just a lot of fun. Uh, you have a great time. Uh, end up usually getting five dollars in downtown bucks and and uh, get a plaque and a few other odds and ends in there. So uh, it usually ends up that your goodie bag. You end up getting more in there than you actually paid for the Father's Day show, so uh, it's a it's a good deal. A lot of people enjoy it and look forward to it. Uh, got numbered parking spaces, so uh, have people that have been parking in the same place for going to be 17 years this year. Wow, 17 uh, years. Yeah. That's how many cars do you expect? We usually have over over about 300 over 300 cars now. So that's a Three hundred car car show is a that's a that's a for real car show. For real. Are you full already? Or are you still taking? Oh no, I I I don't even send out. I'm just now getting ready to send out the uh, the forms for people to, to fill out. We do it usually a month before. If you right. do it too early, then people forget about it. So uh, I've got it all. Uh, and over the last couple of weeks, I've I got my list all worked up and getting ready to take it to the printer, and they'll. They'll send all that out, so right. it'll be coming pretty soon. Well, I'll remind people again, we'll get a little closer. I, I know this is all you've got to do. You don't have anything else to do, but let's do oh, talk yeah. about something else. You're, you, you've started here and been running forever. Uh, the downtown block party, we're, what, three weeks in? Is that? No, actually, we're a month in. A now. month in, wow. Yeah, yeah so we're a month and a, a, month and a weekend. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the Piedmont Natural Gas block party uh, at Carolina Wren Park, our 
beautiful $3 million water park that we've got right in the middle of town. What a great place for a, for a block party uh, or a, uh, any kind of an outside event. Yeah, we've, we've been real pleased with, uh, with how that's going over, and it seems like uh, uh, with the, the Facebook page growing so fast, we're getting more and more people that are finding out about it and coming to the block party, so that's a, that's a good thing, too. Just remind everybody what the Facebook's. It's uh, the, the Main Street Program, Anderson, South Carolina Facebook page. Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a weird page i guess no no it's a fun page yeah, yeah. well it is a fun page it's uh it's 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 cute sayings uh you know cool pictures uh nice videos We've got some local news in there we always have the uh the specials that the stores and the restaurants have downtown we, we've got that in there so if you planning on you know, having something to eat for lunch, then you can check and find out what the specials are. And, uh, uh, you know, just anything to help downtown. And it's all positive. Everything is positive. So that's uh, uh, you know, that's what we're all about. That's all positive stuff. And I usually get up about 5.30 in the morning and start vetting stories to be sure that, you know, we don't have any nasty words in there or... or it starts out being positive and ends up being negative. Right. And then I put them in, and I've got a, a, a Jennifer Merritt that is a student at Anderson University. She picks up the ball. She's actually the one that posts the, uh, the restaurant and the shop news, and uh, she picks it up when I have to go to my real job, and then she posts on later on in the night. She's uh, actually an Anderson University student, and she does a great job. So... Uh, all positive news all the time. And, and letting people know about the block party, and if just if somebody just moved here or just has not been paying attention, to remind people what the block party is. Well, it's a, it's a music party, a uh, music venue. Uh, uh, we have a lot of local, regional, uh, national, and international uh, stars that come in and play. Uh, it starts at 6 o'clock, goes to 9 o'clock. We've got food vendors food and drink vendors, and uh, it's multi-level, uh, the way it's set up. Stage is a little too high for the people down in the bottom and just the right size to be at <laughs> the right height up at the top. So it's unique. It's just a unique place. Uh, the bands love playing here because, you know, they're playing for, you know, 15 to 2, up to as, as many. I think our biggest crowd was about 33 to 3,500 people, which is, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. So uh, most of these groups, they don't they don't play for that many folks. If they're playing in a club, they might be playing for you know seventy five hundred people. So come out here and play for for that many people. They love doing it. Uh, it sounds good. The acoustics are, are fantastic at uh, at, the, at Carolina Rim Park. So it's just it's just a lot of fun. It's all and free. All free on Thursday. Well, but we say it's free. <laughs> it's free to people who attend. <laughs> it's free, but but as you know. Uh, there are very few things in life now that are right. free. Admission uh, is free. Let's yeah. put it that way. We've yeah. got uh, Piedmont Natural Gas. That's our title sponsor. And then we've got uh, Carolina Beer. That's our presenting sponsor. And then we've got Platinum Sponsors. We've got quite a few of those. Uh, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to put it on. But uh, I even passed the bucket. I was going to say, pass the bucket. I passed the bucket just like in church. And uh, and we usually end up having a, a good bit of money uh 
put in the bucket. I thought about that early on. I said, you know, if somebody puts money in the bucket, then they're going to you know, feel a whole lot more comfortable coming up to me telling me that the band that I got was just awful. Uh, <laughs> so I get, I get good, honest feedback, and they say, well, you know, I put money in the bucket, so I can tell you, and, and I certainly listen to them. They've got skin in the game, and then they feel like they're part of it, and that's the reason I passed the bucket. I have had some people that have gotten really upset about me passing the bucket because they felt like that, uh, you know, that the city of Anderson or Anderson County, you know, they're already charging them taxes, so, you know, they shouldn't be passing the bucket. Well, uh, the truth of the matter is, is the city of Anderson and Anderson County don't put the block party on. That's put on by the Main Street program, which is a, a little small 501c3 not-for-profit with uh, no employees. Uh, Every bit of the money in that bucket goes toward putting the, the block party on, and uh, and all the sponsorship money uh, goes in the bank, and it's used to put the put the block party on. So we're one of the, I would say, one of the few not-for-profits where every penny of the money goes uh, for doing that. So, well, and they're welcome to come to Carolina Rim Park any other day. Oh yeah, and sit anytime they want and it's enjoy a, their taxpayers. But, a, but oh, I yeah. mean, it, the idea that it doesn't cost anything to put these things on is just kind of silly. And but yeah, I agree with you. I like the idea that when people give back, even if it's small amounts, they feel connected, and that's part of what that's about is connecting the community. Because really, we don't have a signature downtown event anymore. And so that has become our signature downtown. It's a weekly event rather than once a year or once a season or something. It is, and we've uh, we've won uh, both of the music awards from the from the Anderson Independent for the last four years now, which uh, we're real happy about that. I mean, that's that's really saying something for volunteers. I mean, it's all volunteers. I, it's uh, you know, I I've got a a, a guy that's little down on his luck and uh, uh, he helps me set up and I give him a little bit of money to do that and then I've uh, got two folks that count money because I hate to do that <laughs> and then one of those books the bands and then we've got the Humane Society that actually takes up uh, uh, they take up money for the tickets they sell the tickets and then uh, and then got donations where you can donate to the Humane Society so they're our volunteer group so it's a it's a handful of three or four people, and then uh, and then a hand, and a handful of volunteers that put the thing on, and it's uh, it's you know although we you know the city built the park and we're able to use it and they let us use that, so they certainly are involved in it, and uh, and the county as well is involved in it. But uh, as far as this thing being put on, it's put on by a private group, and we we have to pay for everything. We pay for the security, we pay for it all. So uh, the bands, uh, bands aren't donating. Bands anything. aren't cheap. No. No, you don't. You don't ever want to uh, go up to a band and say, you know, well, you, you're going to get all kind of exposure. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that conversation will not end well. I can promise no, you. No, no. Well, and people who haven't been, you bring your chair and you sit out and you enjoy. And you've had good weather so far for the oh, most part. Yeah. This this year's been really nice. Oh boy, the last couple of years has been has been awful. We fell into that uh, that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Thursday rain. Beautiful, beautiful, uh, <laughs> and that plagued us two years ago. I think we had nine out of thirty-one uh, where it didn't have, you know, like a fifty or sixty percent chance of rain, and got rained out a lot. Last year, uh, we had 
the percentage chance of rain, we didn't have as much rain, but we still had to call a good many of them off. Right. And uh, all it has to do is rain at lunchtime. If it rains at lunchtime, then mom and dad get together and they say, well, you know, I think it's going to rain, we're not going to go to the block party. So that's pretty much decided at lunch. If it's raining at lunch, they're probably not going to do it. Right. And you like you mentioned bands. You've had bands from all over come in and play. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, Randall Bramlett, uh, he, he comes in and plays for us a good bit. Uh, people don't realize Wanda Johnson's an international blues star. Yep. Uh, toured with B.B. King. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've got uh, Mac Arnold. I mean, Mac Arnold was uh, recorded with Muddy Waters. I mean, this guy is, he's one of the last living blues legends, uh, and he plays for us every year. And then we've got a lot of uh, just just great great groups that play. Nathan Angelo is uh, he's originally from New York, but he's he lives in Greenville and he's a national recording star and plays all over the place. Uh, tours probably five six times a year, and then he's going to be playing with us actually this this week. Then you got uh, uh, got. Some great, in fact, all of them are good this year. All of them are good. Well, uh, that kind of uh, took me to the, uh, when you were saying I was thinking about, um, you mentioned you have uh, sponsors. How can people sponsor if they're interested in that? How can they get in touch with you if they want to sp help sponsor? Well, that's kind of interesting. I, I, uh, they certainly can get in touch with me. But the way I set it up, uh, I, I was, before I was, I was having to get up there and I, I really try to promote the sponsors, and we put the banners up and all that. And I was, I, 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 I got a little upset with myself for for getting in this position. I'd get up there one week and I'd promote one bank, bank, and say, yes, this is the best bank. You know, they're outstanding. You need to be doing work. You know, you need to be keeping your money with them. And then the next week, I'd have to get up there and do the same thing for a different bank. And I, finally, I said. I don't feel good about myself about doing this. So what we did is we just ran the price up, and then what it does is it locks in. You know, so if it's like we've got one bank, uh, People's Bank, uh, we've got one, which is the only local yeah, bank really. Yeah, that's yeah I got one. We got one automobile dealership, which is uh, you know Richard's K, K Superstore. We got you know one electrical company, which is uh, Hill Electric. Uh, uh, my company, Consolidated Southern Industries, is the we do the mechanical and the construction part of it, and then also have C3 Elder Care and uh, Career Care, and we do the, you know, with the in-home non-medical and, and that kind of stuff there, and then Glenn Plumbing and uh, uh, CMS Garage. Uh, we get some Anderson A tax money. We get some uh, uh, Anderson County uh, money as well. So, yeah, we got... And they've got other sponsors too, and I'm just having a hard time right, coming right. up with all of them right now. But it's it's all uh, they pay a pretty good chunk of money to be a platinum sponsor, and then that way they don't have any competition, and I can get up there and I can promote one one group. And so it runs through Octo into October, right? Actually, we're we're stopping in in. Uh, at the end of August this year. End of August. Start we we hit September and October, but the problem with September and October, school has already started back. Right. You've got, you're up against football. Right. You've got Thursday night football, and then you've right. got some of those. So it's through August this year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Six o'clock, 
Thursday nights. Six o'clock to nine. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and really, I had somebody, We the crowd was off a little bit last week because uh, it was just cold. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> and I uh, uh, thought it was going to rain, too. And somebody said something about, you know, well, I did, the block party didn't do too well. I said, well, did you check out all the restaurants? I said, no, well, all the restaurants were full. Right. Uh, truth of the matter is, Greg, if, if all the restaurants are full, if we just have a little teeny crowd at the block party, then it did what it was supposed to do. Got everybody downtown. It got everybody downtown. Yeah. And then, well, yeah, you and I both were, were natives, and we really share a love of Anderson and downtown, and I think that's, uh, we were talking earlier, you and I, about we hope we can pass this on to the next generation because the number of people who are who still have these sort of passions are, are aging. A lot of gray hair, not a lot of young people getting out doing the civic pride kind of volunteer stuff. There's some. Yeah, and I'm really glad to see them, but it seems to be that passing the baton is going to be tough because there's not going to be enough hands to grab them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not. The phone's not ringing off the hook of somebody, uh, you know, calling up trying to to tell me that, that they'd like to do what I'm doing right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm. I'm thinking we're probably going to end up having to pay somebody to do. Yeah. Uh, not. I've been very fortunate that I've been in a situation where I could uh, uh, I could volunteer to do it. Well, let's remind everybody what you, you don't you don't get paid to do any. This is this is hundreds of volunteer hours. Remind everybody what you do to make a living. Well, I got Consolidated Southern Industries, and we uh, we do a lot of work for big companies like uh, Deep Power and, and Michelin, and uh, actually that's a we're we're international. We do we do work all over the world. We don't do as don't do a whole lot of work in the Anderson area, but we certainly work all over the place. We're doing construction work, and we do welding, pipe fitting, and uh, uh, actually build machinery, repair machinery, all that kind of thing. And then uh, the C3 Elder Care is uh, it's in-home non-medical care. Uh, as we talked earlier, my mom had Alzheimer's, and I probably... I could have been a whole lot better son, and I could have helped her out a whole lot more than I did. And at the time, there just weren't that many. We tried having somebody come in and stay with her. It just didn't work out. So uh, uh, in her memory and in her honor, I uh, started this company, and uh, and we try to do it a little bit differently. Uh, most of our caregivers are older and uh, uh, passionate about what they do, and uh just a little different than some of the other organizations in the career care part of it, C3 Career Care. We helps people that are uh, that are out of work, uh, uh, helps them with their resumes, uh, and then we do HR work for uh, companies that really aren't large enough to have their own HR department. Uh, Becky Morlock does that for them. I want to recount and remind everybody we got a Father's Day car show coming up. And then, of course, the Main Street program is the block party every Thursday night. Great. I mean, this it's Anderson's only weekly party. The only thing really people are thinking, what, what's going on this week? You know at least one thing's going on where we'll have some good music. So uh, we'll uh, and um, hope to see everybody out there. And I appreciate all you do, Carrie. I appreciate your time. Hey, thank, thank you for all you do. I tell you, I've been really enjoying the... Uh, uh, the videos and and the stuff you've been putting on Facebook, uh, I'm, I'm 
I'm copying a lot of that stuff and putting it on our site now, okay. trying to promote your site through our site. Excellent. So, well, I appreciate it. And we've been downtown watching them demolish the old Woolworth Bales building. So Woolworth's gone and Bales is next. So yeah, yeah. It's going to be a little harder to knock the Bales building down than those two, those two buildings. You know, that, and this is just a, an aside. I found a photo. You may have seen it. I think I posted it on Facebook of what was there before Bales and Woolworth. I, I saw Atlantic that. and Pacific, and then there was something called Moore's. These were way before our time. Moore's on the right, and J.C. Penney's on the left. Those oh, were both predated us by a long time. Oh, I know. I tell you. Uh, of course, Flashman's used to be over there, right? They tore Flashman's, that edge was, uh, Flashman's on the end. That, that yeah, got they tore that down a long time early. ago. Early, yeah. yeah. That, that, got t- <laughs> that, 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 that was dust uh, years and years ago. Right. Uh, yeah, you, you know, you see that, and uh, it's progress, and then... Also, you remember going in those stores, so it's a little, you know, I got a little, uh, I, I almost get a little tear in my eye uh, seeing those old places come down. But uh, Well, they, by the time I talked to some of the folks, engineers who looked at by the time the county took over, they were in such disrepair, probably, and then you'd have to retrofit all the asbestos and everything else left in it to try to renovate it. But nice to be able to renovate it, but it's just too cost prohibitive to... And it took up that whole block too. That's the oh, other thing. That's, uh, it's that's be a big block. Yeah. Well, we, I look forward to, to seeing what the uh, you know the county is uh, as we talked earlier. I mean, they're they're progressive thinking, and uh, I look forward to seeing what they put there. Some good ideas, and I guarantee you, if if Rusty Burns gets his uh, dream of a observation deck on top, it's going to be packed on blood party nights, people. I tell you, Rusty's done a great job. He really has. I'm a big... I'm he a big, loves Anderson, too. I'm That's... a big Rusty Burns fan. I really am. I think he's done a most outstanding a most outstanding job. You don't do that unless you have a passion for where you live, and he loves where he lives and works. And... Yeah, he's got a... Boy, he's got a lot of credentials, too. I mean, he's... Uh, you know, he, uh, economic development, I mean, he's done that. He's done all kinds of things. He's... He's the he's last a, link to the old uh, Stathakis back room kind of economic development. I mean, the last person who remembers those folks, you know. I mean, the last one's still going strong. and Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's got a long history, you know, 35 years or so of uh, probably uh, economic development. He is, uh, boy, he's smooth. I, 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 I love the way he can work a room. He, he knows... He knows and remembers everybody. I've been to a lot of things that we, uh, you know, would get up and be the master of ceremonies starting off, and I can't remember anybody's name. Uh, I, and he remembers everybody's name. He didn't leave anybody out, and I mean, can point, and, and it's just, right. I wish I were like that, but I'm not. Right. That's not a God-given ta- uh, talent that I have. Well, you, your talent is being put to good use running the block party and the other stuff, working on this Father's Day show and stuff, so we'll uh, we appreciate that, and I'll talk to you again before long. Thank you so much. Thanks. And again, the date of that car show is... June 18th is the day before Father's Day, the Saturday before, and it's their 17th annual show. So hope to uh, see a lot of folks out there. Great place to come take pictures, great place to come see old cars if you like old cars like I do. And I know I appreciate all the hard work Kerry Jones has done for downtown and for Anderson in general. We need a dozen more citizens like him, and we really need some young volunteers to step up in our community and begin to take at least a little of the burden off of, of people like Kerry Jones' shoulder who have been doing so much volunteer work for so many years here in Anderson because – as he and I were talking about, we both really love our community. We love Anderson. We, we're from here, and we, we think a lot of it, and we think of a lot of the future here as well. Well, it also it feels a lot like summer now. The storms are blowing in. It's been hot, and, and the humidity's starting to come back in, which means it's almost time for the gardens to come in and fresh produce. 
And some of it has already actually come in. I was really surprised at the Anderson County Farmers Market. The spring market started with a bang last Saturday. Good crowds, more produce than I expected. Summer squash, uh, lots of greens, and great weather. Um, it's open May in, in the month through the month of May on Saturdays from ten to one. And then on June 2nd, it kicks off full tilt with Saturdays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. And looking for a big year this year. And I talked to Sharon Nicomito, who is director of the Anderson County Farmers Market this week, about what we can look at, look at coming up. I am talking to Sharon Nicomito. She is director of the Anderson County Farmers Market, and we are open. We're open um, through May on Saturdays from 10 to 2. The regular season doesn't actually start until June the 2nd. Then we'll be open Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday from 8 to 1. Had a good crowd Saturday. We had a good crowd, and we had a good bit of produce for it to be so early. Um, we had strawberries and new potatoes and onions and radishes and some squash and zucchini and some lettuce. So no tomatoes yet. Tomatoes will be here in the first part of June. For tomatoes. Do they not understand the, the growing season? They, they don't. Yeah. They don't. They think when the farmer's market opens, we're supposed to have tomatoes and watermelons. And so. people can't go to Ingalls and buy a bucket of tomatoes and bring them to sell at the farmer's market? We thought about doing that, but um, no. County didn't need the money no. that bad yet. No. It, all the farmers are Anderson County. Right. Um, we actually had somebody the other day that called, said they had a truckload of Vidalia onions, and we knew they didn't come from here. Right. So That's did, a shame. Got to love the day, Anderson. I know. I know. Uh, so... Um, how many farmers have are coming back this year like another good do you know roughly not just right off the top of my head most of them will be back we've actually got one of our older farmers um got too old but his son is actually coming back he wasn't there last year so that's good we're glad to see a young farmer coming in but the full slate's pretty much coming back from last year yeah. other than that. Yeah. Any, any other new ones? Um, we actually do have R&J Ranch out of their Liberty. Right. They're in Anderson County, but right. Um, they're doing, they're going to be doing frozen chickens. And they have eggs and duck eggs and quail eggs. So that was If people haven't had exciting. local eggs, they don't even, they've never even had an egg. It's so totally different. The yeah. experience, the way it tastes, the way it looks. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so, and you, of course, we got the other lady who sells eggs too, but she runs out quick. Right. Yeah, her and we. The, the, so it start. That'll start up June second. Is that right? June second. Okay. But until then, Saturdays eight to one. Saturdays ten to two in May. Okay. But it starts earlier in June, right? In June, it's eight to one. Yeah. Okay. So it's ten to two Saturdays. Yeah. I want to make sure we get that right. So that's we got what three more Saturdays. Yes. Wow. May is mostly crafters. Just because there's not a lot of produce, we want to go ahead and get the market started. So we do mostly crafters. And the people that shop for crafts are usually a little later getting out. That's why we do the, the 10 to 2. Um, but once it opens up in June and people are coming out for produce, they're there they're early. Well, our local honey's out there, though, too. Local honey. So there was a lot more. There was more produce than I expected. A good mm -hmm. bit more. A lot of greens and a lot of different things that people were coming out with. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to be, as we get closer to June, we're going to have updates every week on what's new and what's coming in and what we got tons of. Because I know that first, the first few baskets of tomatoes, there's lines for. Uh-huh. And then by the end, everybody's got tons of tomatoes and before we're done. 
and the market goes from June until through November 22nd. Right. So people have late crops and stuff coming in. That's when you start seeing corn toward fall and lots of things. Yeah. Corn generally comes in July. Right. Right. I remember the trucks last year. Yeah. 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 And they'll they'll sell sell out like crazy. Well, had, like I said, had good crowds this past Saturday. I expect it'll continue because people are looking and and. Some of the people who planted early, the weather never did really turn cold, so it did. There'll be some early, early uh, harvest on some things that people don't expect. So, yeah. Hope we'll see everybody out there, and we'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. If you haven't been out to the farmers market, drop by on Saturday and see what they've got there. Uh, but please don't be one of those people who ask for where the fresh summer tomatoes are. Uh, look at your calendar; it's not time for summer tomatoes. If your garden doesn't have any, they don't have any. And on a personal note, I want to wish a very happy birthday Saturday to my daughter, Sarah. Turns 15. She's now driving. It scares me to death, as every parent whose kids start driving do. Very responsible, bright, wonderful, beautiful, intelligent. I can't say enough good things about her. Uh, love Sarah and want to wish her a big happy birthday on the podcast just to make it official uh, and to, that she can be embarrassed by her dad. Well, that's it for this week's Anderson Observer Podcast, News from People You Trust. Tune in for more next week. We're going to have more interviews with candidates. Uh, we're going to talk to County Council Chairman Tommy Dunn about the budget and a lot more things here in, in the next couple of weeks. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Troubles, forget